following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. So we're talking about how the hope of Jesus helps us to overcome some of the difficulties of life. Because how many people know that life can be tough? And that includes Christmas time. Christmas time, even such a great holiday like Christmas, can be a tough time for people. And uh, I know my son had a, a tough time at Christmas one time. A couple of years ago, I bought my son a drone, and he was really excited. Now, I didn't break the bank or anything, but it wasn't just a cheap toy either. This was a, let there be light, and so there was. And... <laughs> and so it wasn't a cheap toy either, but it, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good drone, and he opened up the package and was excited about it and opened it up, and we started trying to get this thing going and got it up a little bit, but drones, if anybody's ever flied, you, you basically need a PhD to fly a drone because it's really, really difficult to fly these things. And so he was trying, and then he gave it to me, the pro, of course, to, for me to try it, and so I was trying to fly this thing, and... We were kind of bouncing it off the walls because it was too small to, to, be, to fly it indoors. So we went to a park, and we flew it there and kind of got it around. We were doing a little better, and then we, we packed it up. And my parents wanted to go to the waterfront because we were up in Mukilteo at the time. And so we went to the Mukilteo waterfront. And we got there, and I saw there was some other people dr- flying their drones. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a good time to try it. And so... We got it out, and Mateo, my, my middle son, he was flying it, trying to get it off the ground, but again, it's hard to fly it, and so he gave it to me. He put his hope in his father to, for me to get it, and so I got this thing kind of beginning to go good, and then it started rising, and then it started rising a little more, and then like a bat out of hell, it just str- straight off into the, right over the water, it just took a right turn. And we could see it on our phone and see the camera from this thing. And the last thing we saw was the water. And it went in the water, never to be seen again. And so we just looked at each other and laughed because we really didn't know what else to do. So we just looked at each other and laughed. And uh, it was kind of a, a sad moment. Um, but there are, there are losses that we can experience. He experienced the loss of a drone. There's losses that we can experience in our life that is much more than just losing a simple drone. Uh, we can experience loss, and, and we can say, God, why, where are you in the midst of this? We can put, and essentially, we can put our hopes in our Heavenly Father's hands, and he can lose those things. He can seem to disappoint us. And so, as we launch this series at Christmas time, we're going to talk about the happy note of what do we do when we experience loss? And I want to go to John chapter 11, and Jesus, to set some context a little bit, Jesus has been ministering for a couple years now, and he's getting towards the end of his life. He's going to be crucified um, in a little while after this, but uh, there's a huge, long dialogue. There's just one that takes up a couple chapters in John, but um, Jesus is still doing some significant ministry, and Jesus is going to um, work on, with a family that he likes here, um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so John chapter 11, verse 1 now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. 
That happens in John chapter 12. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so Jesus had a special relationship with this family, these two sisters and this brother. Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house um, previous to this. There was in Luke chapter 10, you can read about it there, and he goes to their house, and you know Martha's busy, and Mary's just sitting by his feet. And so he, Jesus would, when he would go around to speak, he would go to these people's house. And then the, it goes to say that these, these sisters, that there's such a special relationship between Jesus and them, they send a, a message to, to Jesus and say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, that's a little bit bold and confusing because he's Jesus. He loves everyone. And so... They had such a special relationship with him that he could say, they could say, Lord, the one you love is sick, and they would know. Jesus would know what, what he meant. And so Jesus says, this won't end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so the Son may be glorified. And so we're building the hope, kind of we're seeing that Jesus loves this family. This family loves Jesus. Jesus is saying, this won't end in death. And then just to cap it off, just in case we missed it, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so we're seeing here, kind of this, this has been building the relationship between the, these, these, these two people, two parties. And we can see that John is setting us up for what would, would be a hope in chapter 6, um, which we would read, Jesus at once goes to the town and lays his hands on Lazarus and heals him. Everyone rejoices and in amazement says, who is this man that can heal like this? Now, any of you following along in a Bible? Anybody got a Bible following along? Anybody? Okay. Is that, is that in your Bible? Verse 6? Is that the verse 6 that's in your Bible? Anybody? Nope. No. It's not? So, so yeah, so it's, uh, we see that maybe that's, that's not it. Because that verse, the, ver- the verse I made up, verse, verse, 11, um, verse 6, it's not really in the Bible. Again, I made it up. Uh, and I promise you, every verse I read from here on out will actually be a real verse from the Bible. But, um, but that's what we, because we, our faith would be, our hope would be, you know, Jesus loves Lazarus, Lazarus is sick, Jesus goes and heals Lazarus. But, but let me read one more time the, the real verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, the family must have been disappointed because they sent word to get Lazarus or to get Jesus to come to heal Lazarus. And yet, Jesus stayed where he was. Now, I, I could imagine that if the, the verse began with but when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed. Because he's Jesus, right? He, he experiences a lot of sick people. Maybe there were some sick people that he had to heal. Maybe it was just there was no Uber, so he couldn't uh, kind of Uber over to Lazarus. Um, so he had to kind of make a journey a little bit, right? But it doesn't, the, the verse doesn't say but when he heard. The verse says so when he heard. So that signifies causation. So it's saying Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so he stayed? That's confusing. That doesn't make sense. That's, that's disappointing. Does it seem like Jesus doesn't care? Like, 
Like Jesus, like it's us calling 911. Hey, my brother's sick, um, urgent. It's, it's come and heal him. Come send some help. Okay, we'll, we'll come in a couple days. You know, we'll, we'll get to it. It just seems like Jesus doesn't care. What do you do when it seems that the, the God of life seems to not enter into your situation? Because it can be disappointing. What do we do when God seems to disappoint us? And then in verse 7, Jesus finally does go to Lazarus. And then he said to his disciples, now that he's waited two days, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. (coughs) After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus. So in other words, they still are friends. It's not like Lazarus did something to make him angry, and so he's going to ignore his request for help. He calls him. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake them up. Now let's have some fun with this. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But he said, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may also die with him. Kind of dramatic, Didymus, kind of... You know, you've seen somebody that's dramatic, call call him D. Diddy. D. Diddy, dramatic Didymus. Um, But on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So there was a Jewish belief that if you, after the, the third day, the spirit left the body. So on the first day, Lazarus was dead. On the second day, Lazarus was still kind of dead. And at that point, it would have been a resuscitation, not necessarily a resurrection in the Jewish view. But on the fourth day, Lazarus is dead, dead, dead. There's no more hope, no more idea that he could come back because the spirit has left the body at that point. And so uh, the thing that bothers me, though, is that Jesus thought that it wouldn't, he said it wouldn't end in death. That's what he said in in verse 2. He said, oh, it won't end in death. But it did end in death. And, And it's disappointing. And we like to try to make that, oh, it's, it's all okay, it's all going to be all right, just follow Jesus, and everything is going to be okay. And yet, here, we find that it's not okay, because we live in a society obsessed with appearances. We live in a society that wants to make everything seem perfect, and people do crazy things for appearances. Matter of fact, I looked up an article this week, and it said that if your skin is a little dark, then there is a special bird and that you can put a, get a bird poop facial. You can put bird poop on your face to lighten up your skin. Or if you're feeling a little toxic, you know, you need to go through a, like a detox, um, you can get leeches that will suck out the, the toxic blood and be able to replant, your body will replenish with fresh blood. Or if you want your, your face to be a little more rosier, you can go and get a face slapping which seems appropriate given if you're going to be willing to pay somebody for a face slapping that they would slap you in the face. Um, and then last, if, you're, if you buy some expensive shoes and maybe your feet grow out of them, you can, instead of buying larger expensive shoes, you can just get a feet shaving to make your feet smaller to fit in the shoes. 
So there's some crazy things out there that people do for appearances. And what I wouldn't want to see is I wouldn't want to see that churches, like we try to do something crazy so that and get you in an environment so that you'll believe whatever we say that, oh, just believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, and you'll drive a Bentley and live in a mansion. And if you don't do that, then you must not have enough faith. That's not the gospel. That's not what, what, what we follow Jesus to believe. We know that things are going to be, be hard sometimes because Mary and Martha were disappointed. All the Bible scholars in the room know that, that Lazarus is going to be raised at the end of the story. But Mary and Martha didn't know that. They didn't know what things were going to happen, and, and they knew that Jesus could have done something about it. Jesus, when, when he, a centurion came to him, the centurion said, hey, Jesus, can you heal my servant? And Jesus said, okay, let's go. And he said, no, I'm not worthy to have you come under my house, so just command it. Just send the word, and it will be so. And so Jesus just said, okay, he will be healed this hour. And so the, the, the centurion goes home and finds that the servant is healed. So Jesus could have sent his word. Jesus spit on some mud once and made some mud pies and put it on a guy's eyes, and the guy was healed. Jesus could have sent some mud. Or, or G, a woman touched his robe, and she was healed, and so Jesus could have sent a piece of his clothing. And so Jesus didn't physically have to be there for Lazarus to be healed, for his friend Lazarus to be healed, and yet he didn't. He didn't do it. And the family was disappointed. And, and I want to say something that might be surprising, but, but following Jesus can be disappointing sometimes. So people are like, what's the next step? Like, what's the punchline? Like, no, just what I said. Following Jesus can be disappointing sometimes. Like, God is good all the time. No, 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 not today. Following Jesus can be disappointing sometimes. That sometimes our hopes will be disappointed when we follow Jesus. And, and I've seen good people be disappointed because of bad things have happened to them. I've seen in, as in a hospital, uh, dis- developmentally disabled boy get into his father's gun closet and his his brothers were trying to wrestle the gun from him the gun went off and shot his younger sister and so she ended up in the hospital in a coma and he ended up in the hospital on suicide watch and so maybe you say oh well you know that's people that people make bad decisions well i've seen a man driving on a mountain road and an elk jumped out and his brother and uncle were in the car with him, and the car crashed into the elk, crashed into the side of the road, and his brother and his uncle died, and he lives alone now with the guilt and shame knowing he was the driver when that happened. I've seen cancer take the life of good pastors, faithful pastors, too young. I've seen a, a, a youth pastor was driving along with his wife and his, chi- and his child, and the bridge collapsed and, and crushed them all. People that are trying to do ministry, trying to do good things. The disappointment in life is real. We go through things that are hard. And and Mary and Martha can actually bring their disappointment to Jesus. So in verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. I bet she did. I bet she had her hands on her hips. I bet she had a finger pointing. Maybe she had some choice words for Jesus at that moment. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And so Martha is stuck in the past. She's saying, Jesus, this shouldn't have happened, God. 
Jesus, if you'd have been there, then this wouldn't have happened. And so Martha is, is, is telling, basically telling Jesus, Jesus, it's nice of you to show up. It's nice that you could finally make it here. Jesus, you thought you'd stroll in here now. You sure came fast when we invited you over for a meal. Jesus, what happened? Why weren't you here when I asked you to show up, when I asked you to come in and, and be here? And I think we can get stuck in the past sometimes. We can say, God, if you'd have been here, um, I wouldn't have gone through that unfair experience and I wouldn't have been fired. God, if you would have been here, my son or daughter wouldn't have walked away from the faith. God, if you'd have been here, my marriage wouldn't have fallen apart. God, if you, wouldn't have been, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have lost my parents. And in the midst of that, we can get stuck in the past and we can keep looking back at what we didn't get and try to play in our fantasy, play in our imagination what could have happened. And so we can live the hope in the fantasy world. But I don't think Jesus has called us to live in the fantasy. He's called us to live by faith. And so how do we live by faith when our hope is disappointed? And so Martha continues on, and she makes a statement that we're going to come back to. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And so now she's deferring her hope to a future point of time. The Jews believed that at the end of history, there would be a resurrection, a physical resurrection. So everybody would be resurrected on the earth, and God would judge the bad people, the people he didn't know, and they would go away, and God would judge the good people, the people that knew him, and they would get to be physically resurrected and stay with him forever. Revelation 21 says that um, the holy city came down, and I wiped away every tear from every eye, and there will be no more suffering and pain. That's the hope of the resurrection life. But in the midst of this, she's saying, oh, I'll see him again when that happens. I'll see him again thousands of years from now. And so I'm deferring my hope to a future point in time that I, that I can't control. And so she's, a lot of people get stuck between two dead ends. One is, is being, being, putting your hope in a, a past where really it's a dead hope, um, that a past you can't change. And the other dead end is, is putting your hope in a future you can't control, an abstract future, deferring your future to a your, your hope to a future point in time that you may never see. But there's a third way, and we can, we can also put our hope in Jesus and our, our present circumstances. And so it could be in, in Jesus and financial security. It can be Jesus and our career and our purpose. Or our hope can be in, in Jesus and our relationships. And, but these things are, are temporary and changing because we live in a world where death is a reality. 99.99% of us will die. There was a few people in the Old Testament that God just took away before they died. But most of us are all going to die. Lazarus, Jesus is going to resurrect Lazarus. He's going to resuscitate him. But Lazarus still died. Mary and Martha still died. And death is a reality of our present world. And death is, is a reality of our lives. It's something we don't like to talk about, but it is a reality. And also... Things change, things fade, things go away. I've got a gray hair up here now, and I've got a couple gray hairs now. I actually like it. I think it's kind of cool. But um, I know at some point, maybe, you know, I'll get more of them, and um, I, so it'll, it'll happen. That's what happens. That's this life. That's the reality of our life this day. And so we can get stuck between two points, and we, we put our hope in Jesus and a past we can't change, 
We put our hope in Jesus and a future we can't control. And we put our hope in Jesus and present circumstances that will only go away, will only fall away, will only change again. So how do we put our hope in Jesus? Where do, where do we do? Well, Martha musters up all her faith, and in the midst of her brother dying, in the midst of her grief, she says to Jesus, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You see, Martha's hope in her brother was a good hope, even a godly hope. But in the midst of that godly hope, she has to realize that a godly hope is not God. And we need to place our foundation in something that, will, that even in the midst of our pain, that we'll still be able to have a purpose that will lead us forward even in the midst where we want to hold on and grieve. That we've got to be able to have a hope that is greater than the life that we experience. We've got to have a hope that's foundational in our life. Because if you don't have a purpose that can stand the weight of your pain then your purpose will crumble under the weight of the pain. You've got to have a purpose that directs you higher, that points your eyes higher when, you're, when the grief calls you to dwell on the circumstance in front of you, that this, this reason will point you higher, point you back to look at what Jesus, what your hope can truly be. What's your reason? What is the reason that you have to continue on in faith in spite of the difficult things that we have? Because we've got to remember that when we're accusing God based off what we deserve, that we don't, we don't deserve a, a, what, what, everything that God wants to give us. That we have to admit that we disappoint God a lot more than he disappoints us. When we're accusing God again of, on what we, re, what we deserve, we've got to admit that we don't really want what we deserve. We didn't deserve that breath we just took. We didn't deserve all the good things that God has given us. We didn't deserve God's presence, and yet here, here we are, taking another breath, having another chance at another day, having God's presence right here in our lives so that even now, God can work. Even now, God can still do things in our life. And so, pressed between a, a being bitter about her brother on one side and focusing on the past, and moving to the future and, and, and deferring her hope to a future point in time that she may never see, Martha digs down deep and says, even now, even now I still believe that Jesus can do something. And there's a great chapter that kind of speaks about this. It's Romans chapter 8. And in the midst of, of that uh, chapter, Paul talks about our pain, the pain we experience. And then he talks about the pain in the world. He says that the, the whole world is groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And then Paul goes into the verse, Romans 8.28, which a lot, of, a lot of people know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, we often misquote this verse thinking that for those who love Jesus, only good things will happen. But we know that's not the case, that Rain falls on the just and the unjust. That God sees fit that, that everybody experiences some difficulty in their life. And we don't know why. Job asked God why. God said, can you put the stars in their place? Did you form the planets? Did you make everything happen? There's some sense that God is bigger. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. There's one sense that there's just a mystery that we have to hold around that. But God has something more that he wants us to see. See, in that verse, in Romans 8, 28, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I believe what that verse is saying is that no matter what happens to you, God can use whatever happens to you. That God can bring good out of it. One author calls this verse, the, the, or calls this chapter, the great recycling chapter. Because God can recycle good out of bad. He can redeem good even out of the worst things. There's a woman who's coming to speak on this Friday at the woman's Christmas dinner. And I pray that every single one of you will, will attend that. It's going to be a great event. But um, her, her name's Shalisa Hayes. And she is a, a mother. She works in the insurance industry. But she's a mom. And tragically, her 17-year-old son was shot and killed in, in the community right around, right around our church, right, right around here. And um, she was obviously going, was grieving, going through that. I can't imagine the pain. I think the worst pain a, a parent can experience is the death of their child too soon. And so she was going through that. But her son had a vision for a community center, a teen center. And so by faith, she stepped up and she worked with her son's friends. And they went to serve in the community right in the same community where her son was shot and killed. And they were making a difference. And as she served over a year, over a couple years, she began to make contacts with community leaders. And they began to hear of her vision and hear of her story. And she began to rally people to her cause of seeing a community center, a teen center, built. And long story short, she ended up lobbying the state legislature and got $32 million to build a brand new community center on 56th in Portland. You can drive by it. It's beautiful. And that is a testimony that God can turn good things even out of the worst situations when we, are, when we have faith. Dallas Willard, a great theologian and author, says, says, no matter what happens, nothing irredeemable can happen to you. You see, the miracle happens when we stop looking to get out of the situation and start looking for, a, for God to bring us through the situation even now. That God can bring us through the situation even now. Because Jesus didn't intend for the suffering of his sisters. But God can bring good out of it. Because Jesus said, this is happening so that you may believe. That God is going to bring good out of it. You see, when we feel disappointed, we need to remember our foundational hope. Trying to, to give up believing in Jesus when we're grieving is like jumping off the life raft that's keeping us afloat because the tide's didn't go the way we wanted. We've, Jesus is the foundational hope. Without Jesus, there is no hope. So when our circumstances seem hopeless, we have to remember that our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope is in Jesus. And that we, we can continue to have a foundational hope when we're going through suffering. See, we have to move from Jesus and our hopes, Jesus and a hope in the past, Jesus and a hope in the present, Jesus and a hope in the future, to Jesus as our only hope, as our foundational hope. That when Jesus is our foundational hope, that when we have a reason that can prop, up, prop us up, when we have a faith that can prop us up, even when we're going through the grieving times, then we can continue to go through it and not fall in those circumstances. We've got to have Jesus as our foundational hope. And 1 Peter 3.15 says this. It says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, it's a lot of words, but what it's basically saying is be prepared to have a reason for the hope within you. 
Always be prepared to have a reason for the hope within you. What's your reason? What's your reason? Jesus gives us a, a reason, a kind of a, he says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the one that ultimately as Christians, we have to believe that our, our reward, our greatest reward is not in this life. Our greatest reward is to go be with Jesus. You see, you don't die and go to heaven. You die and go to be with Jesus. Jesus is the, the reason for which we are resurrected. Being with Jesus is the hope that we have. You don't just die and go to heaven. You die and go to be with Jesus. Heaven is not a place. It's a person. And the person's name is Jesus. It's by Jesus' power and it's for his purpose that we are resurrected. We have to remember that this life is not final. This life is, is only a shadow of what's to come. If you're a Christian, then this is as close to hell as you'll get. If you're not a Christian, this is as close to heaven as you're going to get. That it's, it's for being with Christ that we, that we are, are called to, to follow Jesus. So after Jesus interacts with Mary and Martha, he comes to the tomb and Lazarus, um, and, and he says, actually, let me do this. So Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is also the life. Um, Jesus, he gives us, he does give us hope for this day. Uh, he gives us hope for, in our identity. He gives us hope that when we, we face the, the huge need for approval, the huge need for value in our life, that we can turn to Jesus and say, I am a child of God. Jesus is our, our supply. In Philippians 4.19, it says, And God will, shall supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the source of my strength and, my, and, my, and the source of my supply. That Jesus is the one that, that's that. Also, Jesus is the one that gives me an eternal purpose in my life. So that when I get lost, I can turn to the creator who has the blueprints to show me why I was created. And so Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then when he had said this, when he had prayed for, for Lazarus and prayed for his family, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I love what Charles Spurgeon says, that it's good he called him by name, or otherwise he would have emptied the whole cemetery. Um, <laughs> But uh, so he, he says that. He says, Lazarus, come out. And then he says, the dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take, the gra- take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I think one of the things is that when we're going through a, a disappointing hope, when we feel disappointed, to know that God, God didn't really disappoint us. We feel disappointed because our hope is in Jesus and. But when we turn to our hope, to Jesus as our hope, then we know that no matter what happens in this life, our hope is always in the hands of God. And he never let it go. On that drone button, that drone control, there's a, a button that I wish I would have known, but there's a button called home. It's a home button. And you push that button, and I didn't have to try to get that drone to fly and come back myself. I was trying to work in all. I could have just pushed the home button, and the drone would have come back by itself. And I think having a reason, believing and knowing and having the, the underline, a foundational reason for our hope is like that home button. That when we go through difficult circumstances, we can push that home button and say, okay, why do I believe in Jesus? And remember that our hope is always in God's hands. It never left his hands. 
it never will leave his hands. He'll always be there. No matter what happens, he will continue to love us and be with us.